Well, like I said earlier, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at River City, and just grateful to get to be together with you guys tonight. Glad you could join us as we celebrate Good Friday. If you've been with us on Sundays, you've known that we're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians, and it's a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul to a church that's just going through a lot of difficult things in the midst of the life of their church. But in the, near the end of the letter, in chapter 15, uh, Paul lays out for them the, the basic message of the gospel, the, the very foundations of their faith, and he wants to remind them, he says, of the gospel which he brought to them, which was of first importance. Chapter 15, it begins this way. He writes, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. Verse 3, the big thing here this, this evening. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. You see, the word gospel that Paul uses in that passage, it, it's a word that literally means good news. But what seems so counterintuitive about this message of good news is that it doesn't begin with a message of victory and life. Instead, it begins with the message of death. I remember when we were just moving into this building uh, about three years ago, when we just were le beginning to lease this space, and, and we were working on getting things ready for Easter and getting things just moved into the space, and, and there was a guy who was here who was working on the fire alarm system, getting things plugged in and installed and whatever needed to happen. And, and I could tell that there was something on his mind, and as he was about to walk out, he, he, he turns to me and he just says, you know... I've always wondered, why do they call it Good Friday? Why do they call it Good Friday? Maybe you're here tonight and, and you're asking the same question. How could the murder of an innocent man be remembered as a good day? And see, and the reality is, is that to understand what is good about Good Friday, you need to first understand what is bad. You see, because the reality is that good news is only good if there's bad news. See, if somebody told you that they had found a COVID vaccine two years ago, you would be thinking, awesome job, science guys. Like, really good. Super proud of your test tubes and things. Like, great job. Awesome. Go for it, right? But after a year that's filled with millions of death worldwide and life being turned upside down, the announcement of a COVID vaccine, right, is something that many people are rejoicing over. It makes the front page of every newspaper. You see, the, the why is because good news is only good if there's bad news. You see, and the same is true when it comes to Good Friday. You see, in order to understand why Jesus' death is good news, you first have to understand the bad news. And, and what the Bible tells us from the very beginning is that, is that humanity is in desperate need of saving. We see in our passage that Jesus died, it says, for our sins. You see, the thing that we need saving from is our own sin. That word sin is often confused, it's often described with merely wrong or bad behavior, but, but our wrong actions are just symptoms of what's really going on, of the underlying disease. You see, sin is not just a, a mistake, sin is not just a bad decision, sin is not just wrong behavior. See, sin is the choice to reject God and to reject His good authority 
You see, instead of God telling us what is right and true and good, we want to be the ones who decide what is right and true and good. And, and we want to decide what is best for us and what is best for our world. You see, the reality is, is that the root of sin is that we all want to be God. That's the choice that Adam and Eve made in the garden, and it's a choice that every one of us has made. And that's a choice that leads to all kinds of wrong behavior. But again, it's not merely our thoughts or our actions that are the problem. You see, at its core, what sin is, is it's an attempt to overthrow the king. Sin is mutiny. Sin is rebellion. That's why Ephesians 2 says that we are deserving of God's wrath. You see, people don't often talk about God's wrath unless it's some kind of crazy person on the TV with a bunch of really bad CG graphics flying around the screen. But the Bible talks about God's wrath often, and it, but it describes it differently. See, in the Bible, God's wrath is described as his personal and righteous and constant hostility towards evil. It is his unsettled, it is his settled refusal to not to compromise with it and his resolve instead to condemn it. You see, even because God is just and sin is evil, in the end, all sin will be punished. All of the sin that is committed by us and all the sin that is committed against us, it will all one day be accounted for. See, and the reality is, is that that's what we need saving for. You see, the invitation on Good Friday begins with an, a reminder and an invitation that we might sense the weight of our own sin, that we might sense how greatly we are in need of a rescue, how, how much we need to be saved. And not just the, that others need to be saved, but that we ourselves do. You see, and the reality is, is that we all feel the weight of sin on some level, and we all know that we can't bear that weight, and so we're all always trying to get out from underneath it. And we do that by distracting ourselves from it or by, by hiding it from one another. We do it by ignoring it or, or refusing to accept the reality of it. But most often what happens is that we just try to shift it to, to somewhere else. We try to shift the weight of our sin from ourselves onto someone or something else. And that's why we're always tending to compare ourselves to one another. And we feel really good when we compare ourselves to someone else and we think that we are better than them. Or when we look at others who we deem as, as more righteous or more perfect than we are, then we feel bad about ourselves. And, and so what happens is we tend to blame others for our sin. When we sin against each other, we don't first look to ourselves we blame the others for what they said or didn't say or what they did or didn't do. And we try to destroy others thinking that it will make us right. And so we slander and we gossip and we, we have do whatever we can do to put others down so that we might raise ourselves up or we just store up bitterness in our hearts in order to justify the blame we have given to others. You see, what's happening when we do that What's happening when we're always trying to shift the blame for our sin is that what we're doing is we are looking for an atoning sacrifice. We are looking for someone else to pay the penalty for our sin. And you see, that's the internal design that God has wired us with, that, that someone should die for our sin. And we rightly feel the guilt of our sin and rebellion, and we just know that we can't handle it. 
We want to dispel it and displace it. We try to get rid of it. And so we try to hide behind others. But that will never work. You see, hiding and ignoring and and comparing and blaming can never actually remove the weight and the guilt of our sin. You see, but here's where the good news of Good Friday comes in. You see, you and I cannot bear the weight of our own sin, let alone anyone else's. But the good news that we remember on Good Friday is that God himself came to bear the weight not only of our sin, but of each of our sin. You see, in the cross, what God is saying is he's saying, point the finger at me. He's saying, I can take the blame. I can take it. I will live the life that you should have lived, and I will die the death that you deserve to die for your rebellion and rejection of me, and I will pay the penalty that your mutinous rebellion deserves. I will take the blame. I will take the punishment. And when Jesus on the cross cried out, it is finished. It was. You see, what we remember on Good Friday is that by faith in the person and the work of Jesus, the weight of our sin, which we could not bear, fell on Jesus, and that he bore all of it for us. And what happens on the cross is more than just Jesus bearing our weight, but is what Martin Luther referred to as the great exchange, where Jesus receives the penalty for our sin, and we receive his reward for his righteously lived life, and that we get his standing with the Father, and like him, God is well pleased with us. And and the reality is that because of faith in the person and the work of Jesus and his work on the cross, you don't have to feel guilty enough for your sin, and you don't have to beat yourself up enough for it, and you don't have to clean yourself up enough, and you don't have to punish yourself or others enough, all in order to pay for your sin, because the cross is the proclamation that Jesus already paid for all of it. with his body and blood poured out for you, given for you. You see, there was only one atoning sacrifice that could bear the weight of our sin. And what we remember on Good Friday is that the only one who could save us came and did it. That we were lost and dead in our sin In the midst of it, he came for us. You see, that's why we call today Good Friday. You see, and that's what we're remembering and celebrating whenever we take communion together. The bread and the drink, they're a reminder to us of Jesus' body and of his blood, which were broken and shed for us on the cross so that we might be forgiven and loved by God and his death in our place instead of ours. That's what we're remembering together. And what we're doing as well as we're proclaiming the gospel, reminding ourselves about who God is and who we are because of all that he has done for us. And communion is not something that makes you right with God and it doesn't change your status or your standing with him. The Bible is clear that faith alone in Jesus' work on your behalf is the thing that does that. And so if you've trusted Jesus to be the one who can bear the weight for your sin, 
and who has taken it on himself. If you look to him alone to save you and to make you right with God, And whenever you're ready during our time of worship this evening, I'd encourage you to take communion. If you miss the elements on your way in, you can find them at a table in the back on the left and on the right. And as you do, I'd encourage you tonight, talk with God. Some of you are are like me, and your tendency is to minimize sin or, or to ignore it and to just focus on God's grace. And as we gather to remember the cross tonight, I want to encourage you to ask God that he might graciously remind you of the gravity of your sin, that he might help you to sense rightly the the weightiness of it and the cost that was paid because of it. You see, you need God to remind you of the reality of those things, and I want to encourage you tonight as we reflect on Jesus hanging on the cross on our behalf, don't let that pass you by. Don't let it leave you unaffected. As you take communion tonight, ask God that you might cause the gravity of your sin to sink deeply into your heart so that the magnitude of his grace and love made known to you on the cross would be something that you don't take for granted, that you don't make little of. See, but there are some of you here tonight and you have no trouble sensing the weight of your sin In fact, oftentimes it feels like it's the only thing that you can feel. And you are always aware of it, and the weight of it, it feels crushing for you. And you're often filled with guilt and shame and condemnation, and and the weight of your sin, it kind of just feels like an anchor that's around your neck dragging you down. And tonight as we take communion, I want to encourage you to ask God to help you rejoice and remember in the reality that Jesus came to bear the weight of your sin instead of you and that he has already paid the penalty for your sin and his work on the cross when he said it was finished, it really was. You see, sin loves to tell us that we are guilty. You see, but Jesus on the cross, he says to us that you are forgiven and clean and paid for, that you are righteous and secure and beloved, that in him you are loved and enjoyed and treasured and that God is greatly pleased with you and that your sin has been removed. I want to invite you to ask God to help you to remember that on the cross, Jesus absorbed all of God's wrath for your sin. And if you've put your faith in him, then God has no more wrath left for your sin. Jesus soaked all of it up. He completely absorbs all of your penalty so that you might live in a sense of freedom and joy with a life that doesn't take his work on the cross for granted, but is passionately lived unto him because you knew he paid a penalty you could never pay on your own. See, but some of you, you are here tonight and what you are realizing for the first time maybe is that the weight of your sin is actually still on you because you have never received Jesus' offer to bear it for you. Maybe you have been around the church your whole life, but you've never trusted in Jesus' death given for you to be the thing that makes you right with God. And, 
and you find yourself exhausted because you are endlessly trying to be good enough on your own and failing, or you're trying to clean yourself up on your own, but finding there is always more dirt to clean off, or you continually find yourself comparing yourself to one another, and you endlessly find yourself failing to measure up. I've seen the good news as you gather with us tonight is the invitation that on the cross Jesus extends that when, while we are completely unable to rescue ourselves and to pay the penalty for our own sin, Jesus comes offering himself as the atoning sacrifice that you are so desperately looking for. And it's faith in the person and the work of Jesus, in his life given for you on the cross that frees you from the weight of the guilt of sin and empowers you to live a new life unto him. And so if that's you tonight, I want to encourage you and invite you to respond by confessing of your sin and repenting of it before God, not simply admitting your wrong behavior, but acknowledging your rebellious heart and instead choosing to submit to Jesus, not just as Savior, but as King and Lord. Acknowledge your need for Him alone to make you right with God, and come to Him, the one who was perfect for you, the one who lived for you, the one who died for you. Ask Him to bear the weight that you cannot. You see, Good Friday is only good when we see the bad news that it overcomes. And so let us tonight celebrate and rejoice and freely admit how much we needed saving and how greatly Jesus has met our need. Let's pray. God, we come before you tonight. God, humbled by the reminder of your death for us on the cross. God, we are aware of our of our insufficiency and our inadequacy and our rebellious hearts. God, and we want to just admit to you that we need saving from ourselves and that we need saving from the just penalty of our sin. And so we ask God as, you, as we remember the cross and remember you that you would help us to see both the weight of our sin and yet the wondrous magnitude of your grace and love for us in the cross which completely overcomes and overwhelms our sin. God, help us to see those things rightly that we might celebrate and rejoice in you for all that you have done. We pray these things in your good name. Amen.